talk about stories, cards, and symbols, and all of the above. Myth Tarot Welcome to Myth Tarot Love, a show about ancient stories and witchy wisdom. I'm your host, Biddy Diana. Welcome back, everybody. I hope that you enjoyed the 100th episode as much as Rose and I did recording it. This week, I have an interview um, to share with you all with my friend Megan Johnston. Um, But before we get to that, I do have a tarot deck that I would like to share with you all and talk about a little bit. Um, So this tarot deck, and I'm not going to pronounce it correctly, probably, I looked it up online and couldn't see how to, so I'm going to give it a couple of different ways. Um, I believe it is the Tridevia or Tridevia tarot deck. So that's T-R-I-D-E-V-I-A. And oh my goodness, let me tell you, this is the most if not the most, the most beautiful tarot deck that I have now in my collection. It is so gorgeous. Um, So it is mostly black and gold with blue and purple accenting colors. And I love purple. It's my favorite color. So of course, I'm going to like this one. But the gold is like foiled and the sides are foiled so it's just very pretty and it also is smooth so you know sometimes even with like a deck of cards it can be hard um like stiff i guess and hard to shuffle what i love about this deck is that it is very smooth and it flows very easily um in my hands as i shuffle them And so I really, really enjoy this. Even the backs of the cards are beautiful. It also has an accompanying guidebook um, that has a QR code. So if you want more information on the cards or cheat sheets or advice on how to memorize the cards, um, you can scan the QR code inside the guidebook, which I think is really handy to have. Yeah, so that's what I wanted to shout out to today. Um, They have the traditional cards, right? The wands, the coins, the pentacles, the swords. Um, So if you're new to tarot, I feel like this would be a good starter deck um, to have some of the traditional imagery there. So yeah, today, like I mentioned, I have a interview with Megan. So I'll give you a bit of background information on her and then jump right into the interview. So Megan Johnston is a life coach and restorative yoga teacher with 12 plus years experience in holistic wellness, space holding, and experiential learning. Through her classes, coaching, and podcast with Heart and Wonder, She supported hundreds of tender-hearted high achievers to reclaim their energy and shine as their brightest selves. She's an authentic cheerleader who loves sipping on turmeric lattes, watching the Great British Bake Off, and cozying up with all the books. Hi, Megan. Thank you so much for coming on to the podcast today. How are you doing? 
I am just like buzzing with excitement to be here. I've been excited about our chat ever since we first talked about it. So um, yeah, I'm really, really looking forward to our conversation today. Thank you so much. Me too. I was um, really excited about the idea of creativity and creative flow, and especially yeah, the chat that we had um, about integrating that with rest. So, But what I would love first to start off is if you can just let us know a little bit um, about you. Absolutely. Uh, so I am a life and creativity coach and a restorative yoga teacher. I've actually been teaching yoga for over 13 years now. Um, And I found my way to yoga when I was 19. And at the time, it was this really like aha moment of realizing that I had been in a relationship with myself and with my body where I wasn't honoring myself and my needs and the wisdom of my body. But I was more like seeing my body as an obstacle, as this thing that I needed to like overcome and push through. Um, And yoga was really the start of me finding my way back to myself. And it's been such a powerful part of my journey um, along with coaching. And now I have the pleasure of doing both Uh, teaching yoga and doing coaching. And to me, they're like the perfect complement for one another, because for me, yoga has been a modality and I found others as well, but that really helps me reconnect with myself, with my inner wisdom, with my inner knowing. And coaching is that bringing that wisdom into action and like creating change and growth that is sustainable and gentle and allows for fulfillment. And um, yeah, it's, uh, I I know we're going to talk about some of these themes today. So um, I'm excited to dive into that more. Absolutely. Yeah. I love restorative yoga in particular. So I think that it's great that, you know, you focus in on that because I find that a lot of the other forms, they can be very I don't want to say harsh, but like, like you push yourself a lot. Whereas, like you said, with restorative, it's very much like connecting with yourself and with your body and with your breath, I think, more than other forms. Yeah, I mean, I I really do believe that every person responds differently to different things and that every person responds differently to things in different seasons of life. Mm -hmm. And I also believe that there is something unique about restorative yoga, which is why it is, you know, my passion, because so many of us are not comfortable resting or feel out of touch with our capacity to rest. Like how many times have you heard somebody say something along the lines of like, oh, well, I tried to like, like, you know, put my feet up and I tried to like have some, but I, my mind couldn't stop going. And so I do actually really believe that like as simple as it should be for us to rest, it's almost like a skill, like a muscle we have to build. And what I have loved about the practice is for me, restorative yoga, and especially if you practice where, you know, you're using all of these props to really support yourself and cocoon yourself and make yourself more comfortable. And if you're in a pose for many minutes, it's 
really training you to think about like, what are my needs and how can I meet them? And that also is a skill, I think, of like learning how to support ourselves and we get to practice it on the mat and then bring it into life um, while also prepping our body in terms of like nervous system regulation. So yeah, it's, uh, I think there's like a time and a place for all the forms of, of yoga, of course, but I agree. There's something, there's something really special about restorative yoga. And I think it's special because oftentimes, I don't know if you do you remember your first class? Like oftentimes, um, people think it have, like, it's weird at the beginning. Mm, They're like, uh I'm just laying here. But then they get up and they're like, oh, wow, I really feel different. Yeah, I, I do remember my first class. I had to think about it for a second. But I remember being like, oh, this is nice. <laughs> like like yeah, it felt very okay. supportive, like literally because you're using those like support tools um, and whatnot. And so, I don't know, I like fell like head over heels <laughs> for it as soon as I had done it and tried to recreate it at home. Um <clears throat> I now have a bolster and that's like one of my favorite things that I have in my house <laughs> just in general because yeah. it feels so good to use. Um, I can't think of my words now either. Yeah, the support. I, I the I There is something about a bolster and something about, I mean, even I teach a lot online now um, and um, I, well, I don't teach a lot of classes. I predominantly teach online. Um, I'm not teaching a ton of yoga these days, but um, even just like finding like couch cushions and things in your home, but they're really like, because I do believe there's a way that we can make it accessible, mm-hmm. even if we don't have a bolster, though a bolster is divine. But um, yeah, there's something about like really finding things and that allow the body to feel that support, and then to start to let go. I think a lot of us struggle with letting go mm-hmm. in general, in all sorts of areas <laughs> in, in life. And again, it's that opportunity to practice like like letting go and leaning into support, um, which is both physical and also I think this like really beautiful metaphor for life. Yeah, that's exactly what I was just thinking as you were saying that. I'm like, that just sounds like life, right? That bringing in those tools and those support systems to help your body and just yourself to feel better. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So how, Mm -hmm. I don't know how I want to transition this into creativity, (laughs) but does your yoga practice or any other practices that you have um, support your creative side? I adore restorative yoga and it like it truly in yoga in general helped me find my way back to myself, helped me start to rebuild a relationship with myself. Um, and I became really fascinated with this idea of rest for a few reasons. One of which is because when I was 19, which was around the time that I started yoga, it was at the same time that I actually um, had the like the pleasure of and the gift of taking a university course, which was taught by a life coach. He was a professor in the Indigenous Studies Department, as well as a life coach, and um, he taught a course. Um, very coaching based 
exploring the meaning of work in contemporary society and really through this lens of coaching and meaningful conversations, conversations with ourselves and conversations with others. And um, so at this time, I was I was finding my way back to myself as somebody who had been a real high achieving, like, go, go, go person, somebody like I identify as somebody who cares deeply. Like I really care about, um, about everything. Like quite frankly, I, I I can be really emotional, can be really sensitive. Um, I'm very driven. I was a really ambitious teenager and all of those things like came together, like in a cauldron (laughs) to like create this, this situation where I had just like run myself into the ground. And so I had my first burnout actually at the age of 19. I had to leave school. I had all these like medical problems that started happening. And at that time I became super interested in this idea of rest. And um, what I started to observe in myself is that I would go through almost like um like a roller coaster, these ups and downs of like fits and spurts where I would rest, I would go back at into this like high pace again of trying to achieve things. And I always thought I was going back and like, like I'm quoting here, like with my hands, like doing less. I always thought that I was like going back and that I was being smarter and being more intentional. And then the same thing would happen again. And I would have to pull back. I would end up on a medical leave from work or I would end up um, like leaving grad school or like it was always these like ups and downs of going in and then retreating. And I started to get really interested in like, what's the middle path? How do we let ourselves be in a place where we are both experiencing the rest and the recovery, not just when we're forced to, and how do we also make room for like our creative potential and because I really believe as human beings, like we're not meant to just sit around. Like we're not meant to be resting all of the time, even though we are meant to rest. But I think when I look around and the, the people that I get to work with, like one of the things that I see so commonly is I feel like we're not very good at resting. And we're also not very good at like really leaning in to meaningful and like value aligned creativity. And so a lot of people are in jobs that don't feel fulfilling. They're not making time to pursue their interests and passions and like follow the breadcrumbs is like a metaphor that I think of a lot of like, just like, oh, I'm kind of interested in that. Let me give that a try. Um, And so we're not doing either particularly well. And for me, I have been really interested in the last few years of like, how do we make space for both the creativity and the rest? And we can talk more about how those two things connect and feed into one another. Yeah. Yes, please. I would love to talk more about that. And yeah, similarly, I find that I've also been 
um, very much a perfectionist at times and a go, 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 like an all or nothing. I think that's even a better way of saying it, right, than perfectionism. Um, And yeah, not knowing how to have that balance. And that's something that I've been striving for for a long time. And I don't think that I'm there yet at all. But um, yeah, I think having those tools and those ways to incorporate both into your life can be so helpful, especially because I think a lot of the time, at least for me, it's been about surviving instead of thriving. And Mm -hmm. I'm wondering if bringing in some of those elements would help with, you know, that thriving. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, there's, there's, there's so many little threads there that we could take, um, from your reflections because so much wisdom in what you just shared. But one of the things that, that stands out first is, is I think so many of us are like on this like quest for like achieving balance and like somehow like figuring out almost like it's a formula that we can crack. Like if we just crack the code of like what it looks like for us, then like we will be good. Like life will be set. We will have like, we will be well. And I definitely was like operating in like a, I just need to like crack the code. Like once I solve it, once I figure out how much I can do or what my perfect routine is or what balance looks like for me, I think one of the hardest lessons that I've had to learn is that it really, that self-care and like well-being and balance are not static, they're dynamic. And if we think about these things as like cycles and think about like the way in which you know, if I had my little, like, I always say this, like, if I had a little whiteboard, I would draw this, like, line that goes up on a diagonal, because that's how we're taught in our culture that life is supposed to look, is that it's, like, this upward, like, line on a diagonal, and that things are always getting better, and that comes from capitalism, and that comes from, like, like the ways in which the self-help industry is like entangled with capitalism and other systems of oppression. Um, But like, if we look to nature, right, there's seasons, there's seasons of um, new beginnings, there's seasons of blossoming, there's seasons of shedding, there's seasons of recovery. And one of the biggest things that has helped me in, in, in life and also when it comes to creative projects is thinking more about seasons because I think a lot of us are walking around thinking that we have to crack the code so that we can like be in bloom all Mm. the time like Mm -hmm. the most like beautiful day of summer that like we will just like somehow be able to live in that place um as opposed to like really getting curious and compassionate and thinking about like, where am I in my cycles? And there are moments where we are going to be like thriving. And there are also moments where we are going to be more in that surviving. Um, But there's a way in which I think we can meet whatever season we're in, in ways that feel more aligned, more easeful, to go back to restorative yoga, more supportive. Um, and so, yeah, I just really wanted to share that because I think I think so many of us feel this weight 
on our shoulders to like figure out how to care well for ourselves. And just like this gentle invitation that maybe there isn't or ever will be one way to care for yourself, but it's going to constantly be changing. And I think that is perhaps the most frustrating and infuriating part of it. But also, I think it provides so much opportunity for exploration and play and really getting to know ourselves. And it actually, to bring in tarot, it's one of the ways in which I have found a tarot practice to be so supportive for me is really helping me tune into what season I am in and to have the discernment around when is it time to rest and when is it time to gently and compassionately, I don't want to use the word push, but almost like rise to an occasion, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. I love everything that you just said, but what stuck out, especially yeah, those seasons of creativity and it not being kind of an all or nothing, but a where am I on that, yeah, wheel of the year almost or, or season, um, expecting to be able to produce all the time mm-hmm. is not sustainable. And it's not, like you said, even if we think about it in nature, there aren't always flowers in bloom. It has to go through exactly. the cycle. No, I like that a lot. So, And there's there's so many places that we can look at cycles and one of them is um like you can look at right at the cycle of day and night you can look at the cycle of um uh like the moon cycle but we can also to tie it back just for a moment to the nervous system and into our our incredible bodies like we can also look at the cycle of breath like the inhale and the exhale And we can look at the cycle of our nervous system. And in the autonomic nervous system, we're meant to cycle between um, sympathetic dominance and parasympathetic dominance. Now, sympathetic dominance is often talked about as like fight or flight. And that is one way to be in sympathetic dominance. But And parasympathetic is often talked about rest and digest. That's like when the healing happens and we're meant to cycle between the two. But um, with parasympathetic, like if you were totally just in a parasympathetic state, you would more or less be in a coma. And so there is something about that sympathetic activation. Like that's where creation happens. That's where we are. And and you can think about that, right? Like if you're trying to like write something or you're trying to produce something or you have a project in mind or even just like baking, like there's effort that is there. And sometimes there's stickiness and there's also growth that happens there. And so as human beings, like we're meant to experience both parts of the cycle and we're meant to to be in in that cycle of activating and then resting and then activating and then resting. But that what so much of us end up in, which you know we were talking about before, is we're push, push, pushing ourselves. We're way outside of our, like our, you know, sometimes 
talked about as like a window of tolerance, but like we're outside of our capacity. We're pushing ourselves so far and then we crash and it's not this like nice, beautiful wave. It's more of this like uncontrollable cycle where it feels like we, we are not, um, where it feels like more like less intentional perhaps is the best way to say it. Mm-hmm. I almost envision like <laughs> a wheel and like we're hanging on for dear life as it's like going around and around and around and like we can't stop it or drive it or anything like that. It's just going kind of without us. Yeah, I love that visual. I love that visual. And you touched on tarot before. I'd love for you to expand on that a bit and how you use that with your creativity or to mm-hmm. come out to mm-hmm. come out of that um you know, quiet season into more of a, of a flow. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, so I truly believe like, you know, if we're using this metaphor of seasons, we can be right now where I am in Canada, like we are transitioning to winter, but it could be for me a season of spring. Like it could be a time of new beginnings and conversely, like I could be in the summer and it could be a time of wintering where I am needing to like rest and recover. Um, and so just like, um, permission to be in whatever season you're in, um, whether it aligns with the natural world or, or not. Uh, and then also just like, I really believe like with every season there can be rest and with every season there can be creativity. They're just going to look a little bit different. So for instance, in the summer, if you're in a season of summer, there might be more of this um, desire or capacity or a yearning to maybe be more in like an extroverted or, or, or a little bit more like out in the world versus the time of wintering where maybe it's going to be a little bit more cocooning inward, a little bit more protected, you know? So it, it's going to, it's going to depend. And one of the biggest things that, that my tarot practice has really helped me with is, is if we go back to like the nervous system and both this idea of like rest and creativity is this question of like, how, how do I know which is needed? Like, how do I know when I meant to kind of gently and compassionately ask myself to rise to an occasion? And when is it time to actually like, no, I'm going to take a step back, especially for people who feel like they're people um, like that, that do give their all. You know, like if you're somebody who who gives your all, can be really hard to figure that out. And this discernment piece, for me, what I notice is I'm an overthinker. A lot of the people I work with are overthinkers. And what I need is a way to reconnect with a different wisdom. So, you know, there's the wisdom of the mind, which can be very useful, but we've also got the wisdom of our body, of our hearts. We've got spiritual wisdom. And tarot for me is a way to almost like, um, I've been, I used this on my podcast that the other day, but I was talking about, I almost imagine it like when you go to the optometrist and they bring um, the machine and then they just start changing the lenses. And some of the lenses mm-hmm. make things more clear and some of the lenses make things more blurry. Is just we can tap into these different parts of ourselves to change the lens, to change the perspective, to, to, to sit with the same decision or question, um, but to see it in a different way. 
And so for instance, like if I'm trying to decide whether or not I'm going to go to a family gathering on the weekend and like, do I have energy for that? Do I have capacity for that? Is that in alignment? Um, There's all the things that are going to be coming up in my head, but then um, perhaps I can pull tarot cards and have discernment around get an entry into a different way of thinking about it and really connect with that inner knowing that is inside myself. And for me, tarot has been such a beautiful tool for that. Um, I use it in so many different ways. Uh, and I'd love to share maybe a few ways that yes, I use please. tarot in my life. Yes, please. Yeah. So, yeah. So some of my favorite ways are, and, and I mean, this one is not, um, so the, I definitely use it um, every day I'll pull a card. Um, and what I, what my current practice is, is that I pull a card for me. I pull a card for the energy of my business as someone who works for myself. And then I pull a card, um, for my self-care and like for any kind of guidance around that. Um, so I'm doing that every day as a way to just like tune in and anchor into like what is needed for today. And, and also, where am I at? And is this a day where I need to maybe readjust my expectations? Or is this a day where I'm carving out more time for that like creative potential? Um, but one of the other ways that actually two other ways that I'll share that I use tarot. Um, so one is I have a lot of trouble with decisions, like a lot. I always, always, always have like so much trouble with decisions and um, one of the ways that I use tarot is I will pull a card for different possibilities. So if I'm sitting with a decision, maybe the decision is, maybe it's actually like, I'll use a work example. Like maybe I'm trying to decide um, about a yoga series that I'm going to offer. And I have like a few different ideas or um, different ideas for like start dates. I'll pull cards and I'll just like feel into the energy of the cards. And it is letting me access a different wisdom inside of me and a different way of different thoughts that I have that are inside of me. It's just the cards is allowing me to to come into that way of thinking. It's almost like it like unlocks a door to some pathways that maybe I just couldn't access before. Um, and the other way that I really love to use the cards is any time that I am starting or stuck in a creative project. And so I pull a card every single time I record a podcast interview. I pulled a card. I'll share it with you. I pulled a card for our interview today. I pull a card anytime I am starting a new offering. And for me, it's a chance um, and I still remember some of the cards I've pulled. Like when I started my podcast, I remember the card that I pulled to kind of guide that journey. And for me, it's almost like if you're in a boat, it's like dropping an anchor. And that card can then be this thing that I can come back to and just check in in terms of my relationship. It's such a powerful tool for self-reflection. And again, for like as somebody who's an overthinker and can get really stuck in that more logical mind and intellectual mind, the cards really help me access that more creative thinking, which is so, so, which like broadens our perspective, right? 
Absolutely. Yeah. And I think it really helps us to get in tune with our intuition as well. Because I I exactly. agree. I don't see tarot as like a um, – it's not going to be – this is what's going to happen if you do this thing. It, I think that it definitely helps us to settle in to ideas and into what we want to do next and what the possibilities are. Um, I don't know if I – shared this story uh, on the podcast or not about my decision because I uh, you, you the listeners can't see but I was also pointing at myself <laughs> when Megan was saying the decision um, anxiety which I absolutely have but for grad school I could not decide which program um, I wanted to go to like I knew but at the same point I'm like this is too big of a decision for me to make on my own and so my partner at the time I was like, well, why don't you just roll a dice and see what it says? And that's literally what I did. And I think I still obviously made the decision myself. And same with if you're pulling tarot cards, you're still making the decision. But I think it helps us to know if it's that, mm, trying to think of the right word. Well, it it's not coming brings to you me. into like your gut instincts in a yes. way. Yeah. Like, like I know my partner's done that too sometimes of like, okay, I'm going to flip a coin. And then if he says it's heads and in my body, all of a sudden there's a knot in my stomach and I go, no, that is not the answer. Or there's that sign of relief, right? Like it is, it's almost like forcing you to kind of like tune in and yes. figure out what it is that you do really want. Exactly. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> I love that you shared that example of rolling the dice. Um, yeah, because I think, and I mean, uh, I don't remember where I read this years ago, but it really stuck with me. But just, it was some sort of like reflection or, or, or analysis around this idea of like the fact that we can sometimes spend so much time trying to make the decision that if we had already made the decision, even if something bad had happened, we would have had more capacity to solve the problem or to like redirect course. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you find this, Diana, I feel like one of the things that I know is true for me and, um, and I know is true for a lot of, a lot of the people that I work with, um, is that really this like piece around decision-making is ultimately about our ability to trust ourselves and our ability to trust ourselves depends on us knowing ourselves. And so there's this piece that I think like tarot can be especially helpful with as it being this bridge for getting to know ourselves better and getting like really starting to get more curious about the part, the different parts of us, because we all have many parts of us. Um, I mean, we can talk about like the physical, the mental, emotional, spiritual body, or we can talk about, you know, like, um, like there being multiple competing emotions, like there's multiple parts inside of us. And, um, and I think tarot can let us start to, to see those different parts and to see what's happening inside of us. Do you agree? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, different parts of us, but also I think it gives us that mm, sense of or at least it can give me almost like a sense of a hug. <laughs> like, yes, it, yes, everything is like, okay, like this decision is okay. And if you don't do it, that's okay too. It's almost like a friend, I guess, in, in a way. Sometimes I feel that way with them. Mm, that's so beautiful. 
Yeah, yeah. There is a, I, I love the imagery of the hug because there is something really visceral about, um, and for me comes back to like the way I think of it, of like getting out of my head and like coming back into like my body, into my heart, into these other sources of like, like spiritual wisdom really, because spiritual wisdom, and like you said, intuition is not really in our head. It's not really in our logical mind, right? Like sometimes we get intuitive guidance that, um, that logically doesn't make that much sense, but it can lead us in these really beautiful places. And, um, yeah, I agree that tarot can be really, really beautiful for helping us tune into those like inner knowings, those nudges. I like to call them the whispers inside. Mm-hmm. Um, and and even as I say that, I'm thinking about like, I think a lot of us sometimes, those of us especially prone to overthinking, um, need to turn down the volume of our head and like turn up the volume of our heart. And I feel like tarot can be one way of doing that, of just like, just like, it's not that we're going to ignore because, because sometimes the logical is really important, you know, but, but can we just like turn it down a little bit? Can we make space to hear some of the other, the other things coming through and then we can make a decision from there? Yeah. I love that. The idea of the whispers inside. Yeah, because the world is loud, Mm -hmm. right? And the world is loud and we all have these little whispers inside. And um, some of the best things in my life have come from listening to those whispers, even when I have no idea why. Like, like. Like sometimes I'm just like perplexed, like, you know, <laughs> but, but when I do listen to those whispers, um, and follow the breadcrumbs, like, like follow and just kind of, there's this beautiful quote from, um, Elizabeth Gilbert. Um, and do you know Elizabeth Gilbert? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, um, she has this quote that magic is the thing that wants to happen next. And oftentimes I, I am like this. And, and again, the people I work with are like this. We want to think like 30 steps down the road. And what happens if instead we can find a sense of presence where we truly are just focusing on the next thing? Uh, I think I, I talk about sometimes when it comes to depletion or unfulfillment or just like a lack of alignment in our life, like just that feeling that something's off or we don't have our spark, like that animating force that makes us us. Um, I talk about the three Ps. So we likely have one or all of the problems um, and it could be with pacing, with priorities or with presence. And just to speak briefly to each of those, like with pacing, so many of us are trying to do so many things and we are trying to move so quickly. I think a lot of us, and I am like this, I am totally like this. I'm a really impatient person. And I also have expectations of myself. Like if I decided that like I was going to write a book, I would like probably come up with this really unrealistic timeline for (laughs) how that would happen. And like all of the time I'm coming up with unrealistic timelines for like, how fast things will happen. Um, and so like a lot of us have like a, like a pacing problem. We're trying to do too many things and we're trying to do them too fast. Um, and so what does it look like to slow down, to make things more gentle, to be kinder to ourselves? Because a lot of the stress comes from the pace that we're trying to move at. And then priorities is again, we're trying to do too many things, 
But what, and oftentimes we're trying to do things that maybe aren't even in alignment with our values or our deep beliefs or, or our passions or what it is that we really even want. So how do we carve out more time for the fulfillment which is so important. And, and to me, that is, is creativity. Like, like there needs to be, it can have so many different um, forms and functions, but there needs to be creativity um, as, as prioritized in some sort of way, just like there needs to be rest prioritized. And then if we go to presence, it's just this idea of like, how, how can I meet myself where I am? So if priorities is like, what do I really want? Like presence, the question is like, where am I right now? Because we can, we maybe aren't in a season where we actually can do what we really want and that's okay. And so like really, again, it's, it's kind of moving between these, like, you know, what is happening right now? What do I want? How can I move to where I want to be? But, but letting all of those be part of the conversation. I love that so much. <laughs> I can't wait to listen back to this and soak even more of it in because that was really powerful. Mm, I'm so glad. Mm. Yeah, I think I think it can feel really heavy being a human in general. And I think we place so much expectation on ourselves to have it all figured out. One of the things that I've been really playing with over this, this last year is what I've been kind of calling my practice of gentle momentum. And it's instead of either being in a season where I'm like full on go or in a season where I am like depleted and having to recover How do I create a new way of being in the world that is sustainable where I am gently moving towards my vision for my own life while also still having rest? And so this is, I I honestly like, um, and so if you're listening to this and, and resonating in any sort of way, like one of the things that I see so often is if somebody is in a time of burnout and I've experienced this myself Actually, I'll share personally. So a few years uh, ago, um, like this is fairly recent, kind of 2020, I was diagnosed with psychogenic non-epileptic seizures or what's sometimes called functional seizures, um, as well as complex post-traumatic stress disorder. And what ended up happening is I was trying to push through for the first few months. I was trying to still work, trying to still do all of the things, eventually that became untenable. And I had to just totally withdraw. And I was exclusively focused on my healing. And there are so many people who will or have been in a similar situation at some point of having to pull back and exclusively focus on healing. But one of the things that I found during that time is um, there was and, and other people will talk about this in different ways, even if they're not in some kind of like a, like a, a health healing period like that. But um, there wasn't much of a reason to get out of bed in the morning. 
and there wasn't much like dreaming or hope for the future, what I attribute that to was that there was a lack of fulfillment and meaning. I was exclusively focused on healing and the past and and trying to make it through the day that surviving, right, instead of thriving. Um, and what actually started to change things for me, and and again, like there's always, our capacities are always, always different, but the moments that I was able to feel more like myself again were not necessarily the moments at that time when I was resting because I was doing a lot of that, but it was actually the moments where I decided I'd start trying watercolor painting or when I decided I'm going to train to be a life coach. This is this thing that I've wanted to do that I had that whisper for over 13 years. It took me 13 years to finally decide to train to be a life coach. Like at 19, I knew I wanted to be a life coach and I didn't um, pursue that until I was 32. But, um, and what I observed inside myself was all of a sudden it was like, okay, now I'm dreaming about the future again. Now I have hope. Now I have what feels like purpose. And I feel like a lot of us, can get that that when we feel lost oftentimes that lost feeling is related to let's say lower p purpose not capital p purpose but just like i because i'm not i i think there's too much purpose anxiety in the world but like just a reason to get out of bed in the morning You know, I think a lot of us need a reason to get out of bed in the morning that feels aligned with our values, where we feel that there is a little bit of excitement, um, but also we can, I truly believe that we can bring that vision to life and bring those whispers to life in ways that are gentle and don't like demand that we go all in and dive right into the deep end. So I share that story because I was able then and, and and have been really interested since in like, how do I start to create this vision for my life and honor those whispers, but not at the expense of my health and my capacity? That was beautiful. And I agree. I feel like cr- being creative can kind of unlock different ideas that we didn't even know that we had and different like Mm. parts of our brain just to be able not necessarily okay I think something that happens for me sometimes I don't know about for you but I think for some others as well we're pushed with again the capitalist system that we live in to monetize everything and so I feel like that's what I struggle with sometimes with my creativity because I love being creative I love painting and doing so many different things but I feel like I have to when I'm doing it intentionally be like this is just for creativity's sake this is just for play for fun this isn't for how can I make money out of this because I feel like it takes every all of the goodness that the creativity has and just like zaps it away you're so right and it, it is it's su- like it's such a pervasive feeling that other people experience um and what's interesting to me is 
So if I think back to the the work and I used to do kind of workshops and have a course around this idea of like rest and, and what it means to create your own radical rest rhythms um, and even just teaching restorative yoga. One of the biggest obstacles to rest is our belief that we are worthy of it. And I think the same thing applies to our creative pursuits is that we are inherently worthy of doing something like painting for no other reason than it feels good. I, I actually, yes, I just, yeah. um, it's so interesting. I have on my desk um, these Oracle cards from Gabby Bernstein. And this, I pulled this one yesterday, but um, it I'm holding it up and it says, it's good to feel good. Mm. And um, the other one I got yesterday, which I'll also show because it's still up, is I'm worthy of feeling good. And like, I honestly, and this actually goes back to the restorative yoga is like, it's like, we're, we're worthy of feeling good. We're worthy of taking, making the adjustments or grabbing that extra blanket or making ourselves cozy, taking the time to feel good. And it's also okay for us to do these creative pursuits for no other reason than it feels good. Like not to master a skill, not to like, and sure, there will absolutely, like, I would like to become a better writer. I would like to keep mastering that skill. And maybe, maybe one day I'll, I'll write a book, you know, but I also can be okay with like, you know, um, like, I don't know. I have this vision of just like creating like, like art outside with like, like I can just arrange rocks just because it feels good to arrange rocks, like for no other reason. Or I can try baking not to become, um, you know, on the great Canadian <laughs> bake off, but like, just like, just for me. And so, and it doesn't even have to taste good, but it can just be fun. And I feel like it's that worthiness. I feel like, I feel like, I, I don't know. Um, I know we're of a similar age and, and I don't know if it's just how we were brought up in our generation, but I, I feel like it's more than that. But I feel like there is this like idea that was instilled in us of like being so mindful with our time and like being efficient mm -hmm. and being, um, and again, that's like capitalism, but um, I really believe there's a lot of resistance and it's needed in, in reclaiming our time and that reclaiming our time and carving out these pockets of time for both rest and for creativity is absolutely essential to our mental health, our physical health, our fulfillment. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And yeah, the more that we're talking about it, I am seeing like the rest and creativity almost going hand in hand in that sense, not just one or the other, the create, do versus the not. It's kind of bringing them both, both up. Yeah. And there's some really beautiful examples um, that, that I turn to and think about often of the way in which they feed into each other. And so I like to think of it um, a little bit um, of there's the beautiful symbol of the yin yang symbol. Um, and if, if, you know, um, if you don't know what I'm talking about, you can absolutely like pull it up on your phone, but it's the circle and we have kind of half of it is black. It almost looks like an apostrophe. Then the other half is white. 
And then within both is um, the seed of the other. So there's a little dot of white on the black side and a dot of black on the white side. And um, the idea with this symbol is that one is feeding into the other, right? Like we have, if we take the example of like day and night, we also have this transition of dawn and um, dusk and like, but that one is constantly feeding into the other. And so for instance, if you think about how you get really great ideas in the shower, there is reasons for that in your nervous system in terms of you are in that place of rest or on vacation. Like I get so many great ideas on vacation and I come back being like, oh, my cup is so full. I'm so like ready to create, you know, but I, I frequently like we'll take a shower before I didn't this morning, but like oftentimes before like a podcast interview or like a speaking thing just to like, like get into that rest because in that rest, I'm open to receive. I'm open to receive like, and to hear, and to again, turn the volume of my, my mind down and the volume of my heart or my body or soul wisdom up. Um, and then conversely, if you think about like, oh, like um, sometimes like the best sleeps, like your best night's sleep happens after a day where you've like done something like a project where you're, you just feel that sense of like, wow, that was such a good day. I feel like a lot of our, and this is like not scientific at all. It's just like a hunch. I feel like a lot of our sleep issues are actually sometimes more related to us just feeling not a sense of closure at the end of the day, like feeling like there is, um, there's something missing. There's something that like didn't happen as opposed to like, I think of those days where it's like, oh, wow. Like it could be like, it could be that I was up at the family cottage and we like had a, like we got a lot of progress in like closing the cottage down. But it was that, that doing of something that, that then you go to sleep and you're like, oh, that felt good. So they're definitely related, the rest and the creativity. And I think oftentimes when we're feeling stuck, like I notice when I'm feeling stuck with a creative project, um, I need to step away and I need to rest. And then often when I rest, it provides more inspiration for the creative project and it becomes this beautiful cycle. Yeah, I agree. And I think I, um, not that I think, I went to a, I guess kind of a talk recently from an author and she was saying how she will go to um, see movies and that will like spark her creativity for her writing and how purposefully she doesn't, hasn't learned how to do screenwriting because if she learns that, then when she goes to see the movie, that's all she's going to, you know, going to be thinking about is, Oh, how could I do this different? Or how can I, you know, whatever, whatever, instead of just embracing the artistic form that that she's seeing. And I think about this too, like going to a museum or to an art gallery or even for a walk in nature and seeing something beautiful around us can be restful. Absolutely. And it can also, I think, spark that creativity um, instead of just being focused on maybe like the thing that you want to do, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Yeah. There's so, there's so many possibilities around us. I talk a lot about the whispers and a lot about 
like becoming attuned to the possibilities inside of us and around us. And um, yeah, I'm really, I just get, in hearing your words, just all of the possibilities for the rest and the creativity, um, but especially when we take the pressure off. Like that's what I hear mm-hmm. in that example of that author of like, you know, if 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 you're approaching um, screenwriting then with that more like critical lens and there is this element in which then that is becoming part of your work. And again, just like the, that, that like you are deeply, like we all are deeply deserving of things that um, are outside of that and not just deserving, we need it. Like we need it. I am, um, I'd love to share the card that I pulled for our episode today. I think it, um, it, it's an interesting one in a few reasons. So the deck that I use most of the time is the Muse deck. And I adore this deck because it has all sorts of creative prompts and poetry and um, mm-hmm. visualizations. And uh, But the suits are a little bit different. So um, instead of wands, it's inspiration. And today I pulled the four of inspiration or the four of wands. And um, I love this card for a few reasons, one of which is because, and I have no idea, I, I, I have only ever seen this in one book, so I don't know of its accuracy, but my very first tarot deck was the Line Strider. And in that book, it had, it broke down your birthday tarot card mm-hmm. and mine was the four of wands. And mm-hmm. so the card has felt like a special card for me in a lot of different ways. Um, and I would love to read the poem that goes with this card from the Muse Tarot. A gathering of epic trust, of faith and love and kin, a gathering of epic must, the right as we begin. These milestones mark collective thought Some lay the steps ahead. When the foundations build your home, love weaves a golden thread. And I just, like, for me, this is a card of, like, celebration and collaboration and connection. And um, I just want all of those things for all of us. More of the celebration it's a huge part of my coaching practice is like, we don't celebrate ourselves enough. We don't celebrate, um, the things that we do, the little things, which are really huge things. Um, and, and more of that, like collaborative connection, as well as really the inviting in different perspectives and the, the, the kind of prompts that they have with this, this card are really like letting yourself tune into the connection of the elements and almost like imagining this meeting together of, of the different elements and, and visualizing that as like people or, um, or, or thinking about which element you're in. And I just, I want more connection for us all. I feel like that is such a great card to pull for today. That is so lovely. Can you put it back up to the camera for me for a sec? Okay. I don't know if I'm going to be able to find it, but what's so funny is I will get 
this is so off topic, but kind of not really. I get candles <laughs> sometimes um, from a local company and they will put a tarot card in your box. <clears throat> and I'm pretty sure that is the exact card that I got at really? random. Yes. <laughs> Oh my goodness. I adore this story. How special is that? Yeah. When I pulled it, I had like goosebumps and then it was kind of fun because in the description for the card that they have here, um, uh, it's so beautiful. Um, I'm going to read it. It's they have been preparing for this celebration, this ascension into other ways of being for years. They've been walking towards this since they began. One for each of the four elements, this quartet of creators sits quietly, taking in the moment. The lights have been hung, and in a few moments, the moon, the sun, and the stars will align. They gaze into each other's smiles. The tears of joy begin to flood their senses. This is it. Some experience goosebumps, spirit bumps, and others feel their heart expanding. These are the moments on the journey that important occasions are marked. When the points on the path become ingrained in our hearts and into our cellular memory, and they know that today, right now, they are living in such a moment. They reach out, hold hands, and the world drops away. The initiation begins, and they feel their bubble of energy rise. They glow proudly, expectedly, and they revel in the experience of the now. They stay in this picture-perfect milestone for as long as they can, wanting to capture it in their mind's eye forever. To me, what that conjures and like brings to mind is those moments of like deep fulfillment. And I've had those like at an art gallery. I've had them watching a movie. I've had them at a concert. I've also just had them in deep creative conversations like the one we're having now. And there's that life, like that like pulse of life. You just feel so alive. And I definitely, I feel like so many of us feel, feel numb a lot of the time. And so how do we introduce more of these moments of celebration, of connection, of coming together? I love that so much. That is so perfect and lovely. I have some things that I'm going to chat about in regards to myth um, and creativity. So if you would like to stick around um, for me to talk about that, you're more than welcome. But again, I want to be mindful of you and this conversation has been so amazing. Oh my gosh, it has. And I'm so sorry, we didn't even get to all the myth and creativity stuff. Um, I'm totally cool to stick around for it. Okay. It's not going to be very long because interestingly enough, as I started thinking about it, they're, I'm not going to say that they weren't creative because <laughs> obviously the ancient Greeks and Romans, because that's my area of study, obviously, where we have lots of their, you know, statues and vases and all of the things, right, that have inspired creativity for us now and for, you know, during the Renaissance. Um, but when I was thinking about it, like, they didn't have that that same idea of creativity as we have today. And so I went back and I was like, okay, well, like, let's just look at the word create. So I guess I will just jump into it if that's cool. <laughs> So the etymology, um, so where this word comes from, um, only came from the early 15th century, which to me anyways, that's not okay. that long ago, right? Mm -hmm. 
And it means, well, we know what it means, right? To bring into being. Um, and it comes from the Latin word creatus, which is to make, bring forth, or produce. Um, and that's related to Ceres, which is a goddess um, of like grain and agriculture. So again, that idea to arise and to bring forth. Um, but when I was thinking about the Greeks, yeah, they didn't really have a they didn't have a word in ancient Greek that meant to create. So I, I was wondering like, oh, why might that be? And I think a part of it is that a lot of what they did, what we would think to be creative endeavors were for a purpose. And so it wasn't just creativity for creativity's sake. It was you know, um, to honor the gods, mostly. Um, the only thing that wasn't was poetry, which they saw as something coming from the gods. Um, poetry mm -hmm. to them, especially like epic poetry, um, like from Homer and Hesiod, it, a lot of those um, would have something called the invocation of the muses at the beginning of the poem. So that's them calling in the muses to speak to me, speak through me. So they didn't see the poetry and what they were writing as something that they were creating. They were just kind of the talking piece of the gods. So it was coming from them, which I think is, is quite interesting. Um, and then, yeah, I was even thinking about the problem that we have with looking at the past too is just what we have available for us, right? If we are going to make a doodle on a piece of paper or draw something in the sand, it's not going to last 2,000 years. So again, I can't say, oh, there was no creativity because there absolutely was. Just the hard part is what is actually left for us and what is left for us yeah, what's deemed worthy. That's almost like we were talking about before, right? Like if if, if we're exploring creative p pursuits that are not like things that others would deem creative, then that is going to look different. But I love what you shared about um, the the poetry because I, I when I was in high school, I was in a creative writing program at an art school and um and poetry for me always felt like this thing that was not coming from inside me. Like when I wrote a poem, it felt like it was, it was, it was, it was, I was accessing something, you know, that was not, that, that it was coming from somewhere else. And I was just almost like channeling it. And, and then of course there's the editing and all of that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. But, but there are so many people who I think would describe something similar when it comes to their art forms or even just, I mean, I know not everyone has like a creative passion, but even just like their best creative ideas at work mm -hmm. are these things that just arrived from somewhere. Yeah. And so there is that, like that, again, that connection with, if you want to call it spirituality or like divine connection or just like accessing this different part of yourself, which again, like it goes back to what we were talking about before. Yeah, it's so interesting. And it's so true. And I feel like we as people, and something I try to say to my, or bring forth to my students, like, we're not different. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. we're, it's, we're so similar. Um, and to think that, yeah, they were 
backwards or behind or not smart or anything like that is just not true. But also, like, I think just priorities have shifted, perhaps, or maybe how we look at things, again, thinking about creativity. Um, Like, even, I think, I don't know, I'm trying to think, I think for me, my problem (laughs) is that I've been studying this for so long, so I don't know how other people (laughs) who don't look at and think about, say, like the ancient Greeks and Romans and what would be creativity. Because I think about like plays. Mm -hmm. I would consider that a creative pursuit, right? But for them, it was a form of competition and it was a way to honor the gods because it would be done for a festival for the gods. So again, it's that kind of idea of purpose um, behind everything that was done. And I feel like we still have that in today's society. And like we were talking about before, but that can create like the pressure (laughs) within us um, to produce something not for creativity's sake, but for, oh, goodness, for a gift Mm. almost. Mm. Or I don't know. I don't know if that makes sense. It absolutely does. And and what it makes me think of, and I am obviously not a historian or well-versed in the classics or um, other civilizations at all, but I was listening to a podcast the other day. Um, it was on Sarah Wilson's podcast, Wild, and it was with um, Meg Wheatley or Margaret Wheatley. I don't know if you're familiar her work, but they were talking about the collapse of civilization. And I guess Meg's research has been looking at all sorts of different civilizations um, that have come and gone (laughs) throughout the years. And one of the things that she was talking about that stood out, so her, her basic argument was that nothing that we're experiencing right now is really different. Like it's not unique compared to anything that has happened in the past, even though this moment in time can feel so strange in 2023. But one of the things she was talking about was the, the kind of um, the celebration of celebrities and like people like musicians and actors instead of spiritual like spiritual connection. And so that just stood out to me in, in, in what you were reflecting of almost wondering if, if in a way um, that is somehow related, like that, that there is maybe um, maybe part of our different views around creativity is perhaps because of this moment in time and it being one in which for a large part, there has been less of a spiritual connection for a lot of people. Um, And the degree to which those two things may or may not be related. If I think of yoga, I think of, again, like the inhale, is that like the breathing life? And and I I think there is is something in a lot of um, sort of wisdom traditions that are either older or non-Western around this idea of um, of a spiritual connection with creativity. Yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head there because even I was just thinking um, in terms of dance, 
because they would um, absolutely have different dance performances. And that, again, would also be connected to the gods. And so you're absolutely right there. I think it is that we not have lost, but our connection to divinity and spirituality has definitely been shifting and changing. And maybe that's where that shift in the idea of creativity is as well. I like that connection. Mm -hmm. That's good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It it makes me wonder if, if part of reclaiming our sense of self is, is reclaiming and, and maybe one of the reasons why people are drawn to creativity maybe is because it is a way to access the spiritual also and to reclaim a spiritual connection in a moment in time in which many people have felt um, disconnected from religion for all sorts of reasons. Mm-hmm. Well, I love where this conversation has gone. I feel like we looked at so many different avenues and perspectives of creativity that I couldn't even have imagined that we would look at. So that was amazing. Thank you so much. This has been so much fun. I feel like we could just like go for hours. And, oh, yeah. Um, my goodness. <laughs> like what what a treat to get to have this type of a conversation. This for me is what podcasting is all about. It's like just like getting to getting to explore and like have these conversations. And so thank you so much for the beautiful opportunity to do just that. Yeah, I agree. I feel like we could talk for hours. I'm glad that we had this uh, focus of an idea or else, yeah, I could just keep going. (laughs) Where can people find you, follow you, um, get in touch with you? Yes. Thank you so much for asking. Um, So I'm trying something a little bit different and it's because I at heart am like an introvert and just really love the one-on-one conversations Whenever I listen to a podcast, I'm like, oh gosh, I wish I could like talk to that person. So I decided to do a little experiment and offer like a super, super discounted one-on-one coaching session with me. So it's just $45 Canadian and it is a one hour session where we can look at what is happening in your life. And we're going to look specifically at what season you are in. We'll figure out if you're in a time of summer, winter, fall. We will talk about how that's impacting your energy and how you can reclaim your energy. We'll craft a feeling-focused goal to help you make decisions with more ease. Maybe we'll even pull a card from the Muse deck to help guide that. And we will also come up with a personalized strategy for you that involves both rest and creativity and is something that is easily implementable in the coming days um, and feels like it can bring you closer to that vision, but in a way that's really gentle and sustainable. So if you would love the chance to just like go deeper in some of the things we talked about today, but like really hone in on how it would apply to you and your, I truly believe we're all so unique. So like your unique circumstances, um, you can head on over to podcast gift meganjohnston.com. You'll have all the information there. Um, and it's a chance for us to get to talk and get to know one another way more than we would on Instagram. Uh, and if that doesn't 
sound appealing for you, but you want to stay connected, I totally invite you to come on over to my podcast with Heart and Wonder, where we have these types of conversations as well. Not necessarily tarot and mythology, but a lot about our energy and how we can really honor those whispers that are inside of us. That's amazing. Thank you so much, Megan. And I'll put all that information in the show notes as well. That way they have easy access. Um, Great. Well, it was lovely talking to you and we'll talk again soon. This was so much fun. stories, cards, and symbols.